but at this point, I guess you can say hello and welcome. Um, <laughs> welcome to this episode of Primordial Threads. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Hannah. I'm Anna, and we have our guest on, Elle, today. Would you like to introduce yourself, Elle? Hey, I'm Elle. I live in England, and I am an asteroid astrologer, and we're here today to talk about asteroids in Sinistry. Which I'm so excited about. Um, recently... Uh, I had purchased Elle's uh, asteroid guidebook online. And uh, when I got that, the spreadsheet, number one, I love spreadsheets. So my <laughs> my soul was incredibly happy about that. Um, and then just going through, so what I did, I'll maybe I'll put it up later, but um, I filled everything out and then I bolded the ones that were like in closest orb and then I put it in order of my birth chart. So I had like first house, second house, third, you know, because. Yes, that's fifth- what I did mine as well. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Fifth house Virgo Mars is strong in this one. Um, but yeah, and and just seeing the patterns that came out and like the archetypes that were so clearly highlighted, I was like, yeah, this is a significant layer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. super fascinating yeah and then I did it with my partner and my little sister um and seeing like the different archetypes that we all kind of embody and like bring mm-hmm. together was very interesting um and that's what kind of brought us to thinking about like what if we like has anyone ever looked at asteroids and like sinistry and stuff because I feel like we do but nobody really like dives fully into that or has I don't know. Maybe there is, and I'm just uncultured. It's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we were really excited to invite Elle on because um, she has a wealth of knowledge um, on this. And you even just introduced a new reading that is all about relational um, asteroids and everything. So what does that mean to you, like a relational, uh, like relationships between the asteroids? Um. So yes, my new reading, Intergalactic Love, is... It centers, obviously, all my readings focus on the asteroids because that's my thing. And yeah, I really just wanted to dig into um, using the asteroids as a lens through which you can explore the way that you're like built to show up in relationship. Um, So there's many, many different asteroids that have this really relational quality. And the way I determine that is by looking at their mythology. Mm. Um, And I feel like, you know any any mythology that you're reading is relational like it's about the way that the gods interact with each other right mm. and and pretty much all of life is relational you, you could just go so far with it but there are particular um stories that are very very centered around the relationship between like two or more people um so yeah just off the bat some of those are like Eros and Psyche, Zeus and Hera, Persephone and Demeter um and yeah there's many many more that you could dig into that um we're going to be exploring today. Very cool. How did you before we go further into that um how did you gravitate towards asteroids like why was that the thing that pulled you in? I love this question so I'm chronically Aquarius and I have to (laughs) I have to be the most different and unique (laughs) I love it (laughs) so I just like when I first started properly getting into astrology and like seriously studying it um, I started off down the more like traditional route and got in some really good foundations and then I think it was Empress Atlantis and seeing her on Twitter 
and just being like, oh, okay, there's also these asteroids. And I pulled them in my chart. I did the astro seat calculator where it's got the like pre-programmed 14 asteroids and it just chucks them in your chart. Mm -hmm. And I saw Shariklo on my ascendant and I was like, whoa, this is big. And I started looking into Shariklo and I was like, oh my God, I just, I had never felt so seen in my life. Um, Like so, it went so much deeper than the way you feel seen when you first start looking into astrology, you know, that Mm. thing that hooks you is like, well, this is me the asteroids just gave me that like times a thousand and since then on I was just obsessed and I think what kept me hooked was the element of mythology which I've always adored since I was a kid and then the element of like freedom that comes with the asteroids and how how much there is to play with how intuitive it is how much less gatekeepy it is than traditional astro mm. um yeah those are just some of the I could go on for fucking ever about why <laughs> why I love the asteroids but yeah those are just some of the things that that set me down this path that's so, a, oh, sorry no what do you think the asteroids provide that the planets can't um variety and inclusion um mm, that one they yeah it's the inclusivity like there's so many different pantheons so many different cultures we can look at like when you're just looking at the traditional um planets you've got two figures that aren't um centered around masculinity and then when you look at the asteroids you've got thousands and thousands of different genders that you can look at you've also got representation of um, being non-binary or being trans you've got representation of being from a different culture just so so much inclusivity and that to me like helping people feel seen in their lived experience and not just like disregarded by western astro I think that's really really important yeah. I definitely agree yeah when I started looking at the asteroids in my chart like looking at where I had those close conjunctions like it gets deep. Like, uh, one of the asteroids that I have like pretty exactly conjunct my moon is Deanira, which is like, that's a hard one to work with. That's like a lot of themes of like victimhood and, Mm -hmm. um, and so I really agree with that. Like there is so much richness that you can like even pull out of the planets in your chart and see what they're doing a little bit more in depth and there is a lot of like um what is it like nuance we're we're always talking here about how like get curious be open don't be biased Mm -hmm. because something that you see in your chart there's probably something deeper there that like yeah don't and there's a thousand different ways to interpret that yeah so Yeah. yeah and I love with the asteroids like for me I it enables me to pinpoint stories that would otherwise take me like uh, maybe an hour to find just using the planets like with an yeah. asteroid I'm just like bang here's the experience let's talk about that whereas what if you're just using the the planets it would take a lot longer being like okay I'm seeing this that's leading to this that's leading to this etc yeah. asteroids are so they just cut straight straight to the point and I really like that the thing that's going through my mind right now is like a flashlight versus a laser pointer. Oh my you God. Know? Yes. Yes. Like, the precision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I yeah. agree. I love that. Mm-hmm. I and also, I love, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I really liked too. I was listening to your Apollo episode and I just loved how you guys talked about the fact that some of these mythic characters that we're really drawn to might actually be really prominent in our own charts, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like, I have loved Athena since I was little and I'm a knitter. So I'm super into the whole like weaving archetype and stuff, you know, and Pallas is right nestled in my uh, stellium. So I was like, wow, okay, Amazing. that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're so literal and even like the non-mythic ones like there's a Roald Dahl one and I've always been obsessed with Roald Dahl and I always struggled with nightmares as a kid and I used to read Roald Dahl to like help me get to sleep that would be my comfort and there's a Roald Dahl asteroid and he's conjunct my fourth house moon <laughs> oh so my it's God. just like so so literal it's so cute and it like even just with those like non-mythic ones it's like there's not much more to dig into but it's just really cool to be able to be like wow yeah no like I was really drawn to this always and then there it is in my chart that is so cool I guess I have a question with the non-mythic asteroids I know with the mythic ones you kind of look into the stories and stuff to be able to bring that depth of delineation for them so do you just look at what they they have physically going on with themselves for the non-mythic ones Yeah, so the non-mythic ones, there is definitely less to draw from, um, and I don't personally use them in my practice, um, but yeah, so uh, some of them are named after real-life figures, so like there's a Sigmund Freud one or a Jung one, so you could look at their life, and if you had that really prominently placed in your chart, you might see a lot of um, correlation between your life experiences and their life experiences. You could even, like, say with the Jung one, say someone had that conjunct their midheaven that might be someone who um, a viable career option could be something like psychoanalysis or psychotherapy or something oh cool yeah that's cool Mm. I like that a lot awesome um let's see any other questions that I had well um I guess we've been talking about like what makes you know prominent asteroids in our chart could you briefly describe like what makes an asteroid prominent for people Yes, of course. So I recommend when you're starting off to just keep it simple. um, And you can definitely change this as you um, become more familiar with asteroid astrology. But to begin with, I recommend looking at asteroids that form conjunction squares or oppositions within a five degree orb to the traditional planets, and then just conjunctions to the angles as well. And I look at the nodes as well. Mm. Um, So yeah, you're just deal I like dealing with conjunction squares and oppositions because they're very obvious in your chart um and I've yeah. mentioned this in my mm-hmm. ebook about how like a trine and a sextile denotes ease and so you're not you're not necessarily going to look at an asteroid that's trying a bunch of planets in your chart and be able to notice its effects as much because it's working it's just operating you don't even have to think about it whereas those gnarly squares you're going to be like yes I get that I feel it I've lived that and then that's what's going to show you like wow this is real and this is exciting that's cool yeah Yeah. I know yeah there was (laughs) there was a lot when I was diving into my stuff um what Hmm. How do I want to phrase this? When you see an asteroid, like on the ascendant, 
how do you typically see that manifest? Because I know our ascendant, you know, we all know our ascendant is uh, our rising sign. It's our first house. It's, um, I guess, how we're perceived by the world, like the face that is presented to the world most typically. But like, how do you see asteroids like play into that? So uh, when an asteroid is conjunct to the ascendant, I see the person as like an avatar for that archetype. Um, the the correspondences between the person's lived experiences and the mythology associated to with the asteroid is going to be undeniable. It's mm. going to be just so, so loud. Um, and yeah, that like I, I feel like I can't say more than that. It's yeah. just going to be so literal, so loud. <laughs> so loud and literal. That's going to be one of the best places to start if you really want to get like, un- see and understand like how an asteroid can show up from your chart in your life, try and find one conjunct the ascendant or conjunct the ruler of the ascendant mm-hmm. and you'll quickly start seeing yourself in this mythic mirror. Yeah, that's I, cool. I thought it was kind of cool looking through to just to plug um, all of the asteroids that weren't the traditional Greek uh, pantheon, you know, like mm-hmm. I found a lot of the more like Slavic based stuff in my chart mm-hmm. on different points and I thought that was cute because my family's like uh from eastern european descent so I was like I was gonna say do you have yeah (laughs) yeah that's awesome yeah Yeah, like I have um the norse asteroids are ridiculously prominent in my chart like I don't know of any norse roots I probably do have some Mm -hmm. I'm very very british um (laughs) but yeah it was like when I plugged all those in I was like okay like calm down I see you you know like yeah that was so funny when that happens <laughs> you look kind of your face is saying that the same happened to you with the Norse yeah with um so I'm a Taurus rising um and I have Freya conjunct Venus which I thought was <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> yeah I thought it was very, nice. very cute <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay but also that just that totally relates to you as the okay <laughs> as the what Anna <laughs> read me like a book <laughs> or just thinking you know like Freya was very much like the uh, uh what's the word crap I'm blanking she no was it's crap like, no <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was the shit um but no she was like the relating kind of goddess you yeah know, was the goddess of love and like yeah. the um like emotional peak of the Norse pantheon so yeah. I'm just thinking like you you are always worried about that and the way that you go about like connecting with people and you're always making sure like are other people okay like how is this affecting them you know mm-hmm. and that just feels very tight in. it does no I definitely have a lot of and this actually ties in well with the point I was gonna make um I liked seeing how different like aspects and goddesses um asteroids that are like for example Aphrodite Venus Freya are all like different aspects of the same kind of archetype Mm -hmm. um and those were all prominent in it so it's like this is a recurring theme that is prominent for you Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a really good way to like um cross pantheons if you can see in someone's chart like okay Aphrodite is really prominent Venus is really prominent Freya is really prominent um Hathor is really prominent then you could be like this person is extremely extremely Venusian and 
you know, whatever, maybe whatever their heritage is or whoever they feel most drawn to, they can start exploring that that mm-hmm. deity and their associated mythology to understand themselves better. Mm. Yeah, I had the Slavic, uh, basically Saturn on my ascendant. So nice. hello, <laughs> our Capricorn <laughs> Saturn friend. <laughs> So do you see that often that like, um, I know I kind of mentioned it, but like certain, when you do go through all of those asteroids of people, certain archetypes are like stronger repeatedly yeah. through different asteroids in their charts? Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel, I feel like one of the biggest patterns that shows up for me, um, and this is clearly like just the type of people that are drawn to me, um, is like Persephone-esque people. I work with a lot of people who either have Persephone very strongly placed in her chart in their chart or they just have lived a life that's kind of similar to Persephone's mythology um, mm-hmm. or the symbology because no one's getting kidnapped by Hades <laughs> um, but yeah so you <laughs> so you can see yeah that's definitely one of the strongest that patterns that I notice and like my mm. experience is very similar to Persephone as well I've got Persephone conjunct my moon so it's very mm. interesting to um that those people kind of like are drawn to me um but yeah and another one that I've noticed very frequently is um I get a lot of tricksters coming to me um I'm very trickster that. in my chart as well and that's one of my favorite ones actually is looking at all the different tricksters um that are available to you when you use the asteroids and then plugging them into the chart and you can just really get a feel for someone's life like oh you're friends of chaos aren't you like you know (laughs) chaos well um and I like I like helping people understand that that's not a bad thing um Mm -hmm. and that there's there's meaning behind all the madness yes Yeah. yeah so we're kind of talking about um archetypes like the the trickster and the persephone how do you define what an archetype is like how do you kind of get a solid idea of like this is the archetype we're working with right here (laughs) Mm, such a good question so I'd say first off to understand archetypes you want to be reading like a lot of mythology um or you like if you're really really not into mythology you can also grasp archetypes through just like watching films and reading books and consuming media and stuff because Mm -hmm. the archetypes are very much alive today um Mm -hmm. but essentially what an archetype is is uh like a piece of personality I guess like there's Mm -hmm. different archetypes that you can interact with and I do believe that we've all we've got many many different archetypes within us mm-hmm. but an archetype essentially is like a, a fragment of personality that um, exhibits just particular character traits and behaviors yeah. um, so you've mm-hmm. got as we said the trickster so this is like Loki um, Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, <laughs> she's such a trickster that's a great like, example <laughs> Sherlock Holmes like mm. Hermes or Mercury is a trickster so tricksters are your ones that um you can't quite like figure them out they're quite mysterious and they're very cheeky and they like to play tricks but Mm -hmm. then they're very very good problem solvers and you'll see this really recurring theme with tricksters in any media that the 
the people in charge, they like hold the tricksters at arm's length because they're chaotic and unpredictable. But then when when they're in deep crisis, they need the trickster to come in and figure out their problems. Mm -hmm. So people who are really aligned with the trickster archetype will have this experience of like, you need me, but you push me away. Like you're scared of me, you're scared of my mm -hmm. energy. Um, and so trickster people will have, understandably this like deep, deep wound around like, why am I always pushed away? But like, mm -hmm. I'm always needed as well. Like maybe feeling a bit used and things like this. Um, mm. And then you've got um, different, you've got other archetypes. Like I guess the lover could be an archetype um yeah it depends it kind of depends on like who you're learning from so like mm. the archetypes were developed by Carl Jung mm -hmm. and I think I want to say he did like 12 there's like 12 core archetypes but then other people will split that off into loads and loads of different ones um yeah but yeah that I feel, hopefully that answers yeah. the question no I love that that on that I because it's a, it's a very ambiguous thing, something that we talk about all the time but like when you come down to defining it it's kind of ambiguous because mm -hmm. well, everyone's yeah, it's part of the the unconscious it's hard uh -huh. to get a grasp on exactly something so large it's hard to find the perfect words to encapsulate every single facet of oh, the yeah. archetype you know 100% yeah and I guess I should also mention as well like the the way that Jung presented archetypes to the world was like this is something that is we all have access to in what he called our unconscious mm -hmm. so the part of our mind that we're not consciously interacting with but that very much drives a huge portion of our behaviors and our decisions mm -hmm. and it he it's the same way as like when someone asks you to draw a circle you draw a circle, but not everyone's circle is going to look the same, but you're accessing this bank of information where you know what a circle is. Mm. Um, and you can look at all these weird different types of circles that have been drawn by a bunch of different people and you know that's a circle. And so this is the same part of the brain mm. that the, um, or the same part of the psyche or the consciousness that archetypes exist in. You come into the world knowing these, drawing from these and they they will always enact themselves and feed through into your life whether you want them to or not um, and becoming conscious of them just means that you get more of a say I guess and you can observe your behavior and be a bit more like oh that's I'm doing that my tricks mm -hmm. is really coming out maybe I need to rein it in or maybe I need to lean into it more or maybe the love is not present enough in my life and mm. I need to to engage with that more so it's just yeah it's a really cool fun way to like know yourself better yeah, yeah. and once you know them you do not stop seeing them like, yes everywhere. that was what I was thinking too because I was thinking you know as you know I think it kind of too is different layers to like the character that we play in life I very much for some reason I just like visualize life as this like story and like we're all different characters playing different roles in it so it's like for me archetypes sometimes feel like the certain different roles that we are um I, I come from a theater background so I was always typecast um right. so typecasting means they take they look at you they say okay based on your look based on your presentation based on what your capabilities you'd be best playing these kinds of characters wow that's mm -hmm. that's the archetypes that's, yes wow. yeah, yeah. Awesome. so I was always typecast as the mom or the villain <laughs> 
Oh, the villain. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and they're always like, well, you can play that part. Other people don't have the chops for it, like trying to make it sound. But I'm just like, no, you can just say I'm intimidating. It's okay. Like, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> they never cast me as like the ingenue. I was never the, like the, the lady in despair. Nope. Because I was a damsel in distress. Yeah. No, I was like, I was the tall curvy gal who could hold her own in a scene. And that was, <laughs> oh. and it's funny because like, I'm the mom friend. I'm the organizer. Right. I'm it's funny seeing how those archetypes that like are genuinely present in my life and it's in my asteroids and everything. People yeah. pick up on that and that makes me think too like I, I mean I, it's a question but it's almost a question that like I feel like we know the answer to is I feel we get drawn to people who fit in with our archetypes in a way or like archetypes mm. that like maybe we're playing out we find the other half of that story kind of like yeah. how you were saying like Zeus and Hera like if we're kind of living mm. out more of a Hera like maybe we're seeking someone who has that strong Zeus energy mm. yeah like um, complementary archetypes yeah mm. yeah do you yeah. guys see that do you think that's yeah I, I think that's definitely like, yeah. definitely like a a valid thought to have um yeah I think we're always seeking to like complete ourselves in whatever yeah. way whatever yeah. that means to us and archetypes is certainly another way that we probably enact that I find that I play out the same cycles with certain types of people in my life like um mm. <laughs> older women who are mother figures I kind of play out the same type of story that I have with my mom unintentionally mm. you know but like that happens over and over again and other people I've heard that happens too so mm -hmm. that feels like a playing yeah. out the archetypes and have you ever been have you ever like clocked yourself in an interaction with someone where you know like so you know about them they're your friend or whatever and you're like I am I am reflecting to them this like pattern right yes. now like I have this really vivid memory with my friend um and she she was like going through some stuff and I was I she wasn't making good decisions and I was really <laughs> trying to like help her and like just calm her down and everything and then I had to stop and clock myself I was like I'm being her mum right now like I need to step back mm -hmm. and stop and I just had to say to her like do you want my help or do you want me to like leave you alone because I do not want to be your mum right now and yeah. she was like oh my god wow yeah like that's really interesting Ooh. so yeah I don't know if you guys have ever clocked yourself like playing into those sort of archetypes as well with other people oh yeah. yeah oh yeah 100% <laughs> oh yeah. yeah I think there's something too to be said for like as soon as you know as soon as you get validation for a certain role or something that you provide others with it's like mm -hmm. oh well then that's that's my purpose quote unquote yeah. like yeah. that's what I'm supposed to be doing and what I think the richness of asteroids can provide is like seeing okay well that's what's on the surface like that's what's loud but what else is there? Cause like, mm -hmm. I'll use myself as an example. I have um, Psyche on the Ascendant, but I also nice. have Hephaestus, Ooh, which wow, is okay. very interesting. That's a story of a lot of like rejection, a lot mm -hmm. of, and it ties in a lot with the Aphrodite stuff. So I realized like, while I do have this desire for love and to share love and spread love, I often reject my own self. I was just thinking like both of those figures have issues with Aphrodite and so both of those being on your ascendant is 
giving me I like this is my projection but I feel like that is immediately showing like an Aphrodisian aversion in you because you're archetypically programmed to view Aphrodite as like a, a threatening figure yeah that's interesting that it's your chart ruler then though. yep <laughs> so, <How> interesting yeah <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah yeah so which is like I was saying like I do feel someone who is so programmed to like give love and I want the, but then it also like there's so many mixed messages with my own self and receiving that and mm-hmm. whether I deserve it and all of that kind of stuff so it's like there's a lot of you know calling yourself the lovers and as an archetype is like valid and great but there's like there's a lot of richness and depth that goes into mm-hmm. it I feel that oh, way yeah. about the the planets and their archetypes as well like yeah yeah 100% so multifaceted (laughs) I think that I definitely notice myself uh being the Saturn figure for people sometimes when I don't necessarily need to be (laughs) because I'm like there will be order and you're (laughs) fucking up and I'm totally gonna help you you know and I'm gonna tell you exactly how you're fucking up but some people don't really like that or it's not the time or place (laughs) yeah do you slip into this quite like parental role with people yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah T- experienced <laughs> in a good way I need that I'm sorry I try to be no. nice but I'm just like you are. Well, this is my opinion like, this is this is what needs to happen it's quite clear <laughs> I try to ask though I'm like do you want my opinion or do you just want me yeah. to hold space for you because you yeah yeah I'm getting better at that I used to because I'm very Capricorn heavy as well I have like um Mercury, Venus, and Neptune all conjunct in Capricorn, and so I'm always the friend that's like giving the 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 solemn advice and like telling people where they're fucking up. Yeah. And I like <laughs> I got to a point like a few years ago where I was like, I need to shut the fuck up unless someone asks me what my opinion is. Like it's yeah. really manipulative of me to assume I know best. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. God, yeah. I, I definitely had to work on that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm like, oh, well, that's why some people didn't like me <laughs> whenever I was yeah, younger. Yeah, basically. Because I was just playing that out. And I'm like, okay. Especially when you're a kid looking at adults yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, what? So I, like, my teachers hated me. <laughs> I was that smart kid like, mm, no, you're wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I feel so that experience, funny. though. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It's funny how all of those, like, like we just said, like you guys have similar Capricorn things and that, that Saturnian quality comes in and expresses itself. I feel like that's what astrology is. It's just working with archetypes, whether we realize it or not. Um, and I feel like once we acknowledge it, it becomes a lot more, a lot more fun, a lot more creative, Mm -hmm. a lot more room for expression. I can't help, but keep, hearing the word stereotypes in my head as well and it's very interesting like they're kind of hard uh, like I feel like they're hard to discern from one another a stereotype and an archetype and I do feel like it's an important conversation to have because stereotypes Mm -hmm. are harmful um and so I guess we should say in this discussion about archetypes like knowing your archetypes is not an excuse to categorize someone whose experience you're not familiar with um, yes so yeah like be 
be responsible with your information, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no, I definitely think using the using the archetypes as a lens for your own self-discovery or yeah. um, if someone asks you to explore that kind of story with them, then mm-hmm. doing that. But um, like we always say, like, check your bias, make sure it's not something that you're projecting um, mm-hmm. as something that you want to see. Oh my God. Like how many times have you looked at your own chart or like a synastry chart and been like, I don't think that square means what I think it means. I'm just overreacting. <laughs> it's like, no, it means what you think it means. Like, <laughs> stop. Yeah. I think to backtrack just a little bit, I think stereotypes also are a little bit more pigeonholy than archetypes. Yeah. Or I think the archetypes speak to the different, you know, um, shades of a thing where the stereotypes are kind of like, it is just this one thing and that's it and you're one wrong. dimensional yeah. yeah yeah I agree and I think that's where some of the hurt kind of comes mm-hmm. in because it's like well we are multifaceted and it doesn't always present in the same way and so mm-hmm. I think yeah that's a little how I differentiate them I guess 100 yeah. percent. and yeah so when you're like thinking about yourself in these archetypal terms you are not just one archetype like you might have one archetype that's much more prominent than the others and comes out more frequently but it depends on what area of life you're interacting with different Mm. different parts of you are going to come up like that's that's human nature that's how we it's how we operate so yeah yeah you're not you're not just one thing and neither is anyone else no yeah and I think that like it really speaks to the richness of asteroid astrology because it can like like I said like when I looked at all of those it wasn't just one archetype that jumped out at me I'm like oh there's a lot of different stories here and they're Mm -hmm. taking place in a lot of different places in my life like my seventh house nothing (laughs) absolutely nothing three five eleven lit up in totally different ways so like they're Mm -hmm. all telling different stories and like showing how I come to life in those areas in different ways which I think is very cool it gives so yeah, much more yeah. nuance than just looking at your planets does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone once described it as um, like the planets are your core ingredients and stuff. And then the asteroids are like the seasoning and everything that brings mm. the meal together. I it's love beautiful. That. I, I love agree. a good cooking reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's our Taurus moons. <laughs> I was going to say Taurus. <laughs> oh, yeah. The both of us. <laughs> yeah (laughs) oh yeah oh my god um so have you ever like utilized um asteroids when kind of considering sinistry like not necessarily from we don't really do sinistry as a compatibility lens it's more of a like how do these two people's stories interact with each other where are they finding common ground and what potential does that relationship have so like have you ever kind of looked at that with different um asteroid stories I've definitely looked at my own chart um, compared to the people I'm close with. And I'd say the ones I've looked at the most are probably Vesta and Ceres. Okay. Um, admittedly, <laughs> this, feels, this feels horrible to say on this episode about Sinistry. Admittedly, I don't look at Sinistry very often. That's fine. Um, That's okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like... I feel like I can be like, okay, I know your chart and I know my chart, so I can just know yeah. these things work well together. But yeah, Ceres and Vesta are ones that definitely interest me when it comes to looking at your synastry with another person. Um, 
would you like me to explain yeah I was gonna say like why why are those two kind of the ones you feel drawn to to like uh explore your connection I guess I would also I'm sorry just to add another layer to the question why not Juno in there as well Mm -hmm. yeah good question um so I'll start off with that I not Juno because I think I feel an aversion to Juno's mythology because Ah. it's so I feel like there's so many like stereotypes in there um and it's very associated with like being a wife Mm -hmm. and not so much a mother but being a wife and I I've never wanted to get married um I am and I'm also like non-monogamous and so I just really do not gel with Juno's story that is changing now though now I'm looking at it through a different lens but yeah historically Juno has been one that I'm like "Mm, no I don't get you yeah (laughs) um but so Vesta is really a really interesting one to look at because she denotes devotion and um the thing the thing or things that you put in put a lot of time and energy into um so for example I have Vesta in my seventh house conjunct my son which is the ruler, ruler of my chart and so like that's really just cool yeah it's a really beautiful placement and like for me that's showing you know I'm I'm really devoted to relationship and to you know it's in Aquarius I'm devoted to figuring out like who I am ruler of the first house through relationship to the other mm. um and through like being reflected and and that kind of thing so Vesta is just a really gorgeous one because if you have good Vesta synastry it means that you're gonna be pouring in a lot of time you're going to also share like Vestal people are very 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 good at just showing up and committing she's very Mm. Saturnian and so Vesta synastry is going to show this like wonderful ability where you're both just showing up like yes this is important like this is this isn't just uh it could even be casual but it's like you're showing up like I am not fucking around here you know even if this is a temporary connection it's important and I'm showing up in this way that's very aligned with like my spiritual values something that I have to be able to pour time and energy into so Vesta's industry is a really cool one to look at and then Ceres you're looking at um your the nurturing that you received as a child Ceres is going to be showing that and so Ceres is then also going to be showing how like your capacity to receive nurturing as an adult and obviously that's a huge part of relationship. Um, so to use my chart as an example, again, I have Ceres, again, in my seventh house in Aquarius. So my nurturing was very sporadic. It was it was coming and going. It was unpredictable. Um, very, like, just quite detached. Not your typical, like, nurturing that you'd expect maybe from Ceres and Cancer. And so this made me very, very independent and self-reliant um, and it then makes me, it makes it difficult for me to trust that people can show up and meet my needs. Um, and so Ceres is just really great at pinpointing like your fundamental needs. I really like looking at Ceres as the sort of bottom two layers of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know mm. if you're familiar with this. Yes. 
Yes. So the the foundational layers of that are like your food, your warmth, your shelter, your um your and then the next one up is going to be like um connection and love and like being supported. Yeah. And Ceres just encompasses all of those things and you can't you can't like tap into the higher levels of things like your spiritual and creative needs if you're not having your basic needs met and the same goes in relationship um so if if, if the basic needs aren't being met then the sex probably isn't going to be very good and the the communication is not going to be very good etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm. yeah series is an amazing one to just look at like what's going on at this really really basic level um you could probably mm. also see a really if there was some like uh, maybe stressful series sinistry going on maybe you'd be looking at a story around like um like we were mentioning earlier where you're reflecting the like negative qualities of their parent to them um so if they had a really overbearing mother and you had like series squares going on between you you could be showing up and being this really overbearing partner that's wow. just like triggering them um and, and things like that wow I'm just like <laughs> looking at this sinistry and I'm like oh this there's a lot of stories happening here it's loud yeah no yeah my partner and I both have our series with our Mars um, wow okay mm-hmm. um so but you, then in your own chart in our own charts series conjunct Mars yeah both of you wow okay but then my Vesta is right on his Mars series conjunction that's really cool yeah so I and I definitely see that like I have definitely like I do this as a person I think I'm very devoted to making other people feel comfortable feel safe and have their needs met so that like feels very all tied in Mm -hmm. um and then his Vesta is conjunct my Venus which is like a kind of nice little symbiotic yeah relationship that's really nice Mm-hmm. yeah they're really great asteroids to look at and if anyone's listening and is like wanting to learn more about this and get into this more then those two in particular are really great because they are there's so much information like Ceres was the first asteroid ever discovered and Vesta was the fourth asteroid ever discovered wow. we've known about them for since like the early 1800s so there's lots of information um so they're a good place to start I love that. Yeah. Very cool. cool. I love Vesta. I, I, I really enjoyed your um Vesta episode of the podcast as well. For those, I don't think we mentioned it specifically, but Elle also has oh. an asteroid podcast. That's what we keep referring to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it is a wealth of knowledge. So if you do want to continue to like learn about them, there's um she does have episodes, I believe, on both Vesta and Sari separately, correct? Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. So they have um those episodes up. Um And I really enjoyed the discussion on, you know, devotion, not just to devotion. Really, I think it does start with like devotion to the self um, and devotion to your own needs and desires. That's a really interesting. It's interesting because it doesn't have to be addressed in order for you to be in relationship with others. But I feel like when you devote yourself to relationship, whether it's platonic, business, romantic, like some sort of devotion has to be taking place and also realizing that you're devoting to yourself there you're devoting to Mm -hmm. I'm making commitment not only to you but to me that I'm going to show up here um yeah yeah 
So kind of looking at what Vesta is doing in your chart could definitely help with engaging in relationships overall, I would argue. Yeah, Vesta's archetype is one of like responsibility to the self Mm. and that being the core of it. And then like that responsibility sort of reverberating out like when I'm when I'm showing up in my rituals and practices that keep me centered and grounded within myself then I can show up and engage with like work better with my relationships better with my hobbies etc etc so yeah best that's such a that's a good one I can love Vesta (laughs) that was a much better way of saying what I was trying to say that was perfect (laughs) why did you chuckle Anna I know because Vesta's in my fourth house on my Saturn I'm just like all of the responsibility in the fourth house always (laughs) always okay interesting so it's also like, in my fourth house <laughs> really <That's so> yeah <laughs> conjunct palace actually which is accurate <laughs> today he goes you're the organizer you're an organizer I'm like that is correct thank you yeah for your observation <laughs> oh <Anyways>. my gosh <laughs> Anyways, um, so let me see. We do have a few um examples of both. Oh, and then the one we didn't mention, but I'll we'll stick with Vesta and Ceres for now because those are two. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like super important just in relationships overall. Um, let me see here. Okay, so one one example I found that I really liked was um Brian May and Freddie Mercury from Queen. Um, because I really enjoyed learning about their relationship and also just looking from the outside, it seemed very much like Brian kind of provided, he was so like, we're doing this, like, I'm going to be here and we're going to figure this shit out. And he felt like a very, I don't know if anybody else, I might just be romanticizing this, but he felt very much like the kind of an anchor for the band, Mm -hmm. like kind of very much like he was there throughout like all of it. And that's very um, Vestal. It's like the hearth. Yes. Mm. And then let me pull up. Um, I put his and Freddie's charts together with um, Vesta showing. Do, 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 do. Pardon me. Well, I remember how to share my screen. Okay. <laughs> Story of my life. Of the, the song changes every time. It does. <laughs> okay. Here it is. So here, right there. Brian is oh, on the outside. Yeah. Freddie's on the inside. Um, so and his, or I'm sorry, no, no. Um, Freddie Brian is on the outside like, and yeah. Brian's on the inside. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. Freddie's Vesta being exactly on uh, Brian's son. I feel like Brian like showed Freddie the way mm-hmm. in a way. Like that's what that very much mm-hmm. sh- like speaks to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot lighting the way with yeah with his son with his core personality and Mm -hmm. and like yeah shining this way where Freddie could show up and I guess center himself in these like vestal characteristics and behaviors that are very very necessary when doing something like being a fucking rock star like that (laughs) Vesta is so prominent in people who are like known for their careers because um, mm. okay. you're pouring in all of this time and energy into your calling, yeah. your passion, Vesta's going to be there. So that's a really, really interesting um, and then, conjunction that they have. Yeah. And then another one I like 
and thought was very interesting is that Freddie's uh, Uranus is exactly square Mm -hmm. Brian's Vesta, which feels very like Freddie did feel like kind of a disruptive figure in the band just because he. I mean, he's like the tortured artist, right? He's Mm -hmm. just so genius. He doesn't know how to function in the way society's laid out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you could really see how that would like someone, I guess, more like sensible and on the path, like Brian, Mm -hmm. that's going to be, I love how we're like speaking about them on first name basis. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brian just like, is like this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, like how Brian's like, qualities is like it's being impeded or impacted by um the erraticness of yeah. behavior that's a really literal mm-hmm. um, manifestation of that and then that, that even feels reinforced by having the sun saturn mm-hmm. conjunction as yeah. well like brian saturn <laughs> and freddie's son and brian's like oh my god oh my god please <laughs> I'm begging. <laughs> Please just make a schedule, Freddie. <laughs> and stick to it. <laughs> and then Freddie says, no. <laughs> Look, all of this Neptune Mars. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, Brian's Midheaven yeah. with Freddie's Benefics. Like, yep. like wow. he got a lot of good from working with Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. fraught with delusion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Intention. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really cool way of looking at, you know, both the Vesta and and then like we said, how like this conversation with the sun and Vesta with the Vesta square Uranus shows up elsewhere in the chart as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, you know, it's not just one dimensional and it brings in other aspects like the Mars Neptune conversation. Yeah, that's something <sighs> I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately is that if you have a story that's really prominent in your chart, it's not just going to show up in one place or one placement. It's going to be repeated over and over again across all the different techniques. Yeah. And then yes. that's where you're kind of like, oh, wow. Okay. That's why this yeah, is this huge. Like, <laughs> just, it's so deep, like in, deeply ingrained into the nativity. Yeah. I love yeah. when that happens. I agree. All right, so I will stop with that one. Um, and... Do you want to go Beyonce, Jay-Z? Yeah, they, I actually didn't download their charts for because I didn't see. Oh, we don't have Beyonce's birth time, I don't think. I don't think we but do either. But um... there's a lot of speculation that she would be a Scorpio rising because she just is like, don't perceive me. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably why no one knows. She's like, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> yeah, and then it would make her 10th house where all of her uh, oh. prominent stuff is. And I think her son would be in the 10th. Right. Ooh, that would be very interesting. Let me add them in and see. I struggle to see connections if I don't have the the, the, the literal charts on top of each other. No, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because... You know, um, I feel like I have a peanut brain sometimes because I'm just like, I can't do this in my head. <laughs> oh, I uh, once I memorize something, I can do it a lot better. Um, but that takes me a while. It's memorization is uh, not my strong suit. Is it anybody? I guess it's some people's strong suit. I'm being, I'm projecting. (laughs) I think of really stupid correlations to make me remember stuff, you know? Okay. I don't know. That's the only way it works. 
like I think of D and D every time I'm thinking of like domicile and detriment. Like which ones across from each other? I'm just like it's a D and D game. It's a D and D game. <laughs> oh God, we gotta get that uh D and D astrology. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons, L? No, but I really want to. I really want to learn. Okay, oh, okay. We are genuinely trying to <laughs> create an astrology D and D experience oh yes <laughs> do, you, do you know how to play it yes, yes. we've both played so you can okay, totally well, so do something <laughs> oh i lied there's definitely sinister here <laughs> okay <laughs> sharing my screen here she is okay so w Let's that's see. your thing today i love it i've been hanging out with lane too much lately and he's just saying w all the time <laughs> Because that means win. I know. I'm like, okay. You pick up your partner's habits. Um, here. (laughs) Okay. Um. So, oh God, the colors are not helping me here. I think the inside is Jay Z and the outside is Beyonce. Am I correct? Yes, because Miss Beyonce is Miss Libra Queen. The Vestas would be sextile then. Yep loosely um i just think it's interesting that her vesta is embedded in yes everything that is happening here libra wise and then Um, you said you reckon oh is that you did you say you reckon the stellium's in the 10th house see okay that's the debate where it's like is the stellium in the 10th house or is she a scorpio rising and everything in the 12th that's that's where the Uh, people split because they're like well she's so prominent but I, but I often find like um celebrities especially those with a huge fan base wherever they have a stellium you probably want to put it in the 11th house because that's your fans so what would that make that would make her a sad rising ruled by neptune jupiter in the, the 11th first. oh well neptune in the I, first is definitely i don't People, know yeah. much about beyonce's like character but me neither yeah <laughs> that I mean, feels that neptunian could, right yeah Stuff. like yeah Sagittarian overall her a 10th house sun then mm. interesting let me just see exactly where our vest is at 15 okay and it's motion in between mm. Jupiter and Pluto okay wow so having Beyonce's Vesta here where Jay-Z's <laughs> Uranus and moon that that feels very interesting to me because I know that they've had struggles with like yeah devotion um and staying dedicated and him kind of being the Uranus on her Saturn where she and and having Vesta with Saturn like that is such a reinforcement of that Saturnian Mm -hmm. um and she is so devoted to her shit like she Uh, yeah and like it's in Libra and I feel like this whole stellium with Vesta in Libra makes her someone who like we were saying is so serious and committed not only to her career but Mm -hmm. also like relationships and yeah so you can see like and then his behavior is very Uranian and it disrupts and but she's like in it still and Mm -hmm. she's like we're working through this we're moving through this that can only be done when like you're just unbelievably devoted to 
um, to moving through relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And him having his moon there too. Like, I feel like he probably finds security in all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and having moon, you're honest together. I can imagine yeah, well, I mean, feels like a very tumultuous experience. It is. Yeah, yeah. You can see how he is someone who like makes rash decisions probably yeah. when he's like emotionally triggered. Venus and... Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah they're, whoa they're both Uranus moon people wow. oh yeah that's so interesting yeah and hers is in Scorpio gosh it's so interesting so yeah hers is probably going to be like her her erratic behavior when she's emotionally triggered is probably going to be more directed at herself mm. um whereas his is in Libra so it's going to affect his partners yeah interesting yeah definitely yeah of course they're like two of the most elusive people in hollywood so (laughs) (laughs) this is all conjecture oh yeah they they have prominent neptune stuff going on so they're like yeah that's just the artist's like signature isn't it just being extremely neptunian oh yeah yeah (laughs) you're a you're a first house neptune my friend you would know (laughs) wait Oh, me? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Oh, me? Yes. Hello. <laughs> it is I. Oh, and I feel like also we should just say this. It is, I am not a new person. I just have new oh, yeah. hair color. <laughs> new hair color. Yeah. Anna sent me um, a picture of her with dark hair and I showed it to Austin, who has met her. And he was like, who's that? <laughs> I was like, that's Anna. He's like, are you sure? <laughs> the sun Neptune stuff is just like, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So in the first house awesome all right so now let me uh let's go into series and the people that I mean I've been wanting to kind of look at these charts for a little bit just because they are fascinating yes but um and they're so public so they're so easy to like see stuff yes I am talking about the Kardashians um Kris Jenner and her Sari sinistry with all of her children is fascinating. Um, I have it all written out because it's just a little bit easier to. I wish I could. Why don't my arrows work? It's okay. Mercury, please start moving. I'm begging you. <laughs> I need Mercury back in my life. Um, oh no, I, I say that as if Mercury hasn't been here the whole time doing things. Um, I've just been ignoring it. <laughs> we are coming for context we are coming out of mercury retrograde literally today um so i'm excited i think that it has brought a lot of reflection and um reworking of things that were very necessary to address so um it was a rough one but i think we are all going to be better for it um tangent done here's chris (laughs) jenner's chart (laughs) that Um, series is so prominent wow like it's opposite her moon it's square the ruler of her chart yes it's in her fifth house of children yes wow yes Mm -hmm. um chris jenner's chart in general has so much going on with it i stared at this for a very long time because i was like that (laughs) pluto jupiter conjunction I'm going to be honest, it surprised me that she didn't have more eighth house stuff whenever I saw her chart, because I just expected that. <laughs> it's more eighth housey. I mean, mm. 
Let's see. Is that because she's good at like getting other people's money? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but look I at just... the ruler of the eighth in the second. Like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. That'll I lure. mean, I'm just thinking like you know she married rich and then she's yeah. been able to build the wealth of an empire off of her children. So ruler of seventh <laughs> conjunct Pluto in the twelfth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. oh yeah it's so interesting as well like because obviously her kids are her life and you'd expect to have a really busy fifth house so yeah. to me that shows how important Ceres is in her chart yes um, Ceres is carrying a lot of weight there yes also oh, the yes. funny just signification of Capricorn typically being associated with career and work and stuff you know and like mm. she's literally made her children work <laughs> <gasps> ouch so let's dive into her children's because i'm not coming for you chris um, it's okay if you are we can come for chris jenner she i'm sure she'll know. be fine i don't know right. her lawyers are real powerful i am <gasps> oh god <laughs> i'm small oh god okay so now here is uh courtney i'm gonna go in birth order um i love that so we have her series is in her first house, Pisces, which is in her mother's, which would be uh, Chris's seventh house. Um, mm -hmm. And then her moon, I believe, is pretty, it's at least co-present with her mom's series, if yeah. not um, closely conjunct. Let me actually. It was 23, 23 degrees. 21. Yeah, you were. Yeah. 21. Yeah, you were right there. Yeah. Oh, oh which is. 21. Their series are both at 21. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Courtney's Venus. That is nice. And I mean, that makes sense that it would, you know, first daughter get probably had like an early childhood that was very focused on her before Gosh, things yeah. continued. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think that they, they weren't doing any of the big public stuff that they had been doing because no. she was just married to Robert and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. he was just, you know, famous lawyer. Yeah. I like she and her mom. Can I put these side by side? Let's try it. Oh yeah, baby. Nice. All right. Let me Technology wizard. <laughs> Not really. This was lucky. <laughs> um let me see here. So oh yeah, I liked just general synastry stuff that um she had Saturn in her mom, which which is her mom's rising sign. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got that going on in her mom's seventh house. So they have a very I I guess I didn't expect them to have as much I don't know, their relationship has never struck me as like close. That's probably the yeah. Saturn in her mom's first house though. You know, like there is that boundary around yeah. self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's then, very interesting like seeing Ceres in Courtney's first house because this is to me, like showing how formative Courtney's mum has been in her, her entire identity. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm getting the vibe that probably she was really raised in a way where like her mum was kind of controlling her appearance, um, Ooh, yeah. making mm -hmm. decisions about like how she presents herself to the world this is in especially pisces. venus and pisces there in the first as well mm -hmm. like like deciding yeah what just telling her what makes her beautiful and mm. like controlling being controlling around that a lot of confusion there this is happening in pisces mm -hmm. um probably dictating like who she even has relationships with 
the things mm-hmm. that she buys the ways like the ways that she relaxes and like I feel like Chris has just been there yeah. like just like you this is how you're meant to live you know that was and a great read yeah. That would make a lot of sense too, just because at the point that Courtney would have been growing up, it's when they would have been super concerned about, okay, what are you doing socially? Cause we're trying to climb, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really associate that with Virgo as well. And Chris will see a Virgo rising. So she, she's coming into the world with this like approach of like, we must be perfect. Um, yeah. And I'm going gonna, gonna to pick at you until yeah. you get it right. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so that one's hefty. Let's move into our friend Kimberly. Is she the second born? I think she is. I think it's Kim and then Chloe. Okay. Um, so here we have Ceres is um in Cancer, um, exactly conjunct her mother's moon, which I thought was super loud. Ooh. Yeah, that is so close. Wow. Like oh, mm-hmm. like 20 minutes in between. I'm like, whoo. And her wow. midheaven is conjunct, exactly conjunct Chris's ascendant. Wow. Yeah. So like she was, it's so interesting when you see that kind of sinister. It's like, wow, yeah. that's like, or whatever. Also her Jupiter is on the midheaven. So exactly. that would be on her mom's ascendant as well. Yeah. And, you know, Kim was kind of the the big fish of the family, you know, that really like, yeah, blew everybody up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. They both have yeah. that 12th house thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has big, I did notice everyone has big 11th house placements. Um, Chris um, and Courtney yeah. both have their moons there. She has Pluto and the sun and Saturn, which is like, okay, yeah. girl. <laughs> Longevity. Her, um, Kim's moon is exactly conjunct Chris's um, descendant as well. Oh my God. You're right. Mm-hmm. Wow, which is interesting. And then you think about Courtney's, you know, Pisces stuff going on in relation to that as well as like, huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so Kim's series is very, very closely opposing Chris's series. So that to mm. me is speaking mm-hmm. to like the way that Chris shows up as a mom is complete opposite to the way that Kim shows up as a mom yeah Um, and even like you can maybe see like their love languages are very different um oh definitely like the way Chris raised her was maybe not quite what she needed to feel safe and and nurtured and supported Mm -hmm. definitely I could definitely see like themes of exploitation in a way yeah Um, with the eighth house series yeah sure yeah and like the eighth house um I really like looking at the eighth house is where we're like prepared to go to the underworld yeah um and so Ceres being placed there and Ceres being a chthonic figure in mythology um like that just feels like it's really really tying Kim maybe more to like Persephone's side of the story um Persephone you say have you got (laughs) I sure do folks love this excellent sure do all right we're gonna go kiss on this we'll do the same thing so we've got kim and then we've got miss chris okay i did the hades persephone and nice. demeter yeah 
Um, so Persephone in Chris's chart is right near her series, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we have Persephone up here near um, her Saturn, which I mean, near her mom's yeah. Mars, that feels kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it is close. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we're seeing both of these people have Persephone and Ceres like doing big things in their chart. And so this is really amplifying yeah. um, generational trauma, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be as big as trauma. It could just be a pattern. Generational um, patterns for sure. But yeah, so we're seeing like the way that Chris is showing up and mothering them is very much a reflection of the experiences she had as a child from yeah. probably her own mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know a lot about Chris's I don't upbringing. I don't know if anyone does. No. Um, interesting, but yeah, super interesting. And then Chris also has Demeter very prominently placed mm-hmm. right there with Venus. Yes, she does, which is then funny because... Um, Kim's Demeter is conjunct her mom's Jupiter. uh Jupiter Pluto conjunction, yeah. which is like Ooh. and that square each other as well. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's another <laughs> another clash. So their series are opposite and their Demeter's are square. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So yeah. so like we were saying before, <laughs> there's like that story like multiple places in the chart, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. I, they are they're definitely an interesting one just because of how she has um you know really really like pushed Kim you know to be <laughs> that that person for the family it reminds me of like what I imagine a pageant mum would be like oh yeah <laughs> yeah you know? oh yeah absolutely too uh I'm not 100% on this but I think that it was a lot of Kim wanting them to stop filming for a while because she wanted to give her kids space to be able to like be kids and stuff which of course they're back to filming so I don't know the finer details of it um but that would feel very like the oppositions and the squares from how Chris kind of brought them up in that filming world and how Kim was kind of like no (laughs) Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, Kim has that. Whereas Courtney and Chris both have eleventh house moves. Kim has a fourth house moon. You know, mm-hmm. like she mm-hmm. yeah. probably has that desire more deep down to be more private, to be more. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, yeah. this is an emotional need. So, like mm-hmm. Chris and Courtney, it it they emotionally need to be seen. fulfills them. Yeah, to be very visible at. The, the complete opposite is true for Kim so you can it's very interesting because wow. as we said she's the figure that brought all this yeah. fame pretty much but then looking at their charts she's the one that's pro- probably struggles with it the most yeah yeah that's so interesting I love family astrology also <laughs> my part I just love that she has Saturn in Libra and she's trying to be a lawyer <laughs> Oh, oh my okay, god, yeah, yes. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have Miss and Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Just no, to no, go ahead. Go back to that whole lawyer piece. Wasn't um Kim's What did Kim have with her? Oh, was it Persephone with her Saturn, right? Yes. Yes. And and do you know is there has Kim said like why she wants to be a lawyer? Is it to help children or anything like that? 
I think maybe, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent. I would need to look it up. Uh, let me try to Google real quick. Yeah, go so for I, it. I feel like that could be stemming from her experience as like being a Persephone figure who has this overbearing Ceres mother, and then so yeah. that's driving her her desire um, to. Um, she says that she's very passionate about criminal justice reform and wants to advocate for those who she feels like were wrongfully convicted. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Then she talks about how her dad was a successful lawyer and. Oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I feel like That's that kind of does. I mean, that feels tie like... in with Persephone to me in a weird way. Yeah. I mean, she was like wrongfully taken. Yeah, and then, you know, she was put into a role that she didn't necessarily ask for. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, ended up leaving. Kim was put into a role she didn't necessarily ask for. That's a fact. Yeah, that's very Persephone. Yeah. Yeah. And then it had major consequences for her life for, like, years to come. Saturn. Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We love Saturn. <laughs> we love Saturn here. All right, let me grab this Chloe's chart. Us? Us? Saturn? Me? No. All righty. Uh, oh, Chloe. Um, Chloe. So Chloe has a Taurus series, um, which... Opposite the ruler of her chart and her Mars. Holy shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just feel like... Like when the cameras go off, all of these people are at each other's throats. I don't. I've never watched the Kardashians. Do they argue on? Oh, okay. I just see a lot of memes of them like hitting each other with bags and stuff. I don't know why that's what goes through my head. Right. Yeah. No, I yeah. just feel like there's a lot of all this like series sinistry that we're looking at is revealing tension. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely um especially chloe's yes yeah and that makes sense like chloe always seemed to me to be the person who got the brunt of so much shit yeah Yeah. so everybody makes definitely yeah everybody makes jokes about her being oj's child and Mm. you know yeah she's definitely the most mistreated out of all of them Mm -hmm. ah yeah with the malefics and the highest Mm -hmm. point of the chart yeah (sighs) And then she has Uranus conjunct the midheaven. Mm-hmm. Baby girl. <laughs> girl. <laughs> oh, wait. And also the south node is up there too. Midheaven conjunct mm. the south node. Wow. Yeah. So. Which is um, interesting because Chris's north node is in Sagittarius. So it's like they have a nodal reversal thing going on. Mm-hmm. On top of the series opposition, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, like Chris's uh, Saturn and Venus and Sun are all in Scorpio as well. Like her Sun is conjunct that Mars right. in Chloe's chart, so it's like, yeah, she was the force that maltreated. You know, like, phew, mm. ouch. I mean, I think she got a lot of flack for not, you know, looking like her sisters and how they were constantly pressuring her to change 
her appearance and you know just who she was to fit in better with the Mm -hmm. archetype that Chris was trying to create for the Kardashian name you know Mm. yeah absolutely um and interesting as well I think she's the first sibling that does not have a mutable rising um Chris is Virgo Uh, Courtney was Pisces Kim was Mm -hmm. Sag yeah now Miss Chloe is a Aquarius rising yeah (laughs) it's the third child it's the middle child syndrome you know Mm -hmm. whoo wow yeah and then having yeah wow there's a lot to dive in there um I think and that's what one reason why I love family astrology too like number one you have so much to work with like here we have three different examples of um not just their sinistry with their random planets but uh with Ceres as well like you can see how each, the parent has a different relationship with each child mm-hmm. and how it can be reflected. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's blaze through the last two gals. Cause there's a lot of children in this family. <laughs> I don't actually know whether Kylie or Kendall's older. I'm not going to lie. I think Kendall's older. Cause Kylie's my okay. age and I'm always like, wow, I should be like a billionaire or something. And what have I done? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this Just is kidding. what's interesting to me because Kylie was recently on an episode of she, she and her mom, she and Chris were on James Corden and Chris did a lie detector test. And one of the questions that she was asked was who is your favorite child? And she said, Kylie. And it was, it didn't go off. And here so, is so that means it's true. Yes. Ooh. Sun exactly. I'm conjunct her moon. You know exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the series in her seventh house over here. How is that interacting with Courtney's? What was Courtney's at? Uh, Courtney's series. Mm-hmm. Hers is in Pisces question. too, right? Oh, I have too many things open. Ours was like twenty one Pisces. Okay, yeah. twenty one cool, nine cool. degree ascendant. Oh, wow. They both have nine degree ascendants but oh. in different signs. Um, But yeah, no, her, the series is conjunct uh, Courtney's. So this is making me think that Courtney perhaps did a lot of raising of mm-hmm. Kylie and took on quite a parental role. Do that makes a lot that's of sense. true? Like age-wise, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah. know what the girl's status was when they were like you know because the Jenner babies are different than the Kardashian babies and I don't know what what the yeah. home situation was at that time but like yeah. as an oldest sibling like I'm the oldest of five as well like that naturally I feel like would happen mm-hmm. yeah my oldest sibling uh she definitely raised me a lot yeah 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 I feel like that would you know and it's in Kylie's third house as well like Ceres in third house like literally ah. being raised by siblings yes um, and so like Courtney's ascendant being right there is just like the way that Courtney naturally shows up in the world is what Kylie needs to feel nurtured and safe. yeah yeah, yeah. and then Kylie has this Venus close to her mom's ascendant mm-hmm. like just getting mm-hmm. that the the source of affection or the recipient of that affection mm-hmm. um maybe chris sees herself in kylie in a way they both have that water 11th house moon mm-hmm. very interesting and then miss kendall i have not actually looked at kendall's chart i'm curious because she gives me like independent vibes like she strikes me as 
she like goes it feels like she goes off and does her own thing uh-huh the yeah. others and Aries yeah. rising okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> interesting that yeah. both of the Jenner babies have cardinal risings opposed mm-hmm. to the rest of the family mm-hmm. that must be something from uh Caitlin yeah 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 Oh, I didn't even grab Caitlin's chart. That would actually be really interesting to see um, where her series is at even. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'll grab <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that she has series in Libra. I'm mm. curious what that's doing with the, the Libra stuff in Kim's chart because oh. I wonder. All right, so Kim has 28 and 21. So she's at 28 Libra and then this... Twenty-seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Right. I wonder if Kim kind of took on more of a like, um, formative. maybe parental performative role with Kendall than with Kylie. Oh yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Courtney took one of them, Kim took the other. Yeah, because <laughs> they do kind of give me similar vibes, like Kylie and Courtney. Like, I don't know the Kendall. I, I can see more of a clear thing with Kendall and Kim because they have both become very independent they've done Mm -hmm. their own thing they like you know kim is kind of the figurehead of the family but even i don't i really don't think she chose that i feel like i can even tell that without looking at her chart Mm, and then kendall kind of shows that too like i'm here but i'm like and then it also adds the other layer that you know kendall and kim have this connection and then courtney and kylie do and then chloe's just out in the middle yeah Yeah. wow Mm-hmm. and she's the only like fixed rising as well like yeah. the only one who doesn't have a sister with a shared um, yeah element yeah yeah wow yeah I think this this is interesting too um it is conjunct um yeah her mercury. Neptune and Mercury thing then that on. Neptune though that could throw like I feel like perhaps Kendall has just a very, she finds it hard to like grasp onto who her mother is. Yeah. And vice versa, because she also has this Mercury here going Mm. on with, you know, they both have their Mercuries there. I feel like there may be like some weird communication, like knowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like some telepathy going on or something. Like they can't, they may not be able to actually communicate in words. They just kind of like they just vibe. <laughs> they just vibes only. Things oh, well, it's just vibes. <laughs> um, and then they do have the sun conjunct one another. So there's another kind of like inherent knowing. Um mm-hmm. would yeah. it be like her having some, you know, illusions around who her mom was as a mother that she has her Neptune on Chris's series? Mm. and then her series is on chris's neptune so it's like they have Mm -hmm. a series neptune relationship going on for sure that goes both ways wow yeah and then so i feel like if you're imagining how that would then manifest throughout kendall's life like not having this firm solid sense of like what what a mother is Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that would obviously really impact like okay yeah this is leading to why she's so independent because she does maybe she doesn't know how to like ask for what she needs or maybe she doesn't even know what her needs are Mm -hmm. um or like she doesn't trust people to give her help so she just like does everything by herself 
Also, she's the only one without kids. Yeah. You know that kind of Neptunian series where it's like she doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah, literally, like Wow. motherhood is almost like just ungraspable to her. And the ruler of her fifth is that eighth house son. So maybe she's just like, mm. I don't Yeah. know about that one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, she's probably just <laughs> seen so many different ways that motherhood is played out through. everything and she might kind of be like nah, Yeah. I'm good I'll be the cool aunt <laughs> <laughs> literally literally and she does have like moon also opposite Chiron <laughs> so there's there's that too there's yeah that dynamic going on Whew. yeah oh god we didn't even I could go on forever about Chiron but that one's we know we know Mr. Chiron <laughs> we've been new um shit yeah wow these are actually a lot more in-depth than I thought they were which is which is great <laughs> great for That's us what you want. <laughs> yeah um any last reflections about any of the Kardashians before I start uh sharing my screen or stop Nope. nope gorgeous all right Okay. Where are we at? time Oh. wise or topic wise Topic wise. I guess one thing I want to bring up just this is total left field. So We love yell to see at it. me. <laughs> My Mercury's in Sag in the 12th. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's our favorite. <laughs> and then mine's in Mercury, and I'm just like, mine's in Mercury. Mine's in Cancer. So then it's just like, we are always like in the feels. There's no structure. <laughs> it's fine then me with my Capricorn Mercury, like, guys, let's stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh and no. that's why we need the anchor. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay. what were you saying? So just to like get into kind of um, like asteroids in general and like the what came to me as I was listening to some of Elle's podcast episodes and the baby guidebook and things like that or um, the asteroid guidebook, it was kind of uh, like Elle was talking about them being these, they almost felt like scattered parts of yourself, you know, and I was thinking about how asteroids are formed and how it's like, you know, two things impact each other and then it just like shatters out and then there's, that's the asteroid, you know, it's like a chunk of something else that Mm you're hmm missing. So it felt like all of these are just little pieces of ourselves that we have to go and like collect and see. And I just Yeah, thought that was real I love cute. that. Yes, I really love that. My friend Sammy speaks about like spelunking for asteroids. So like literally like going and searching and like gathering them all up and I seeing love that. what you found. Like it's this is why I love them. It's it's such a fun, intuitive, like steeped in curiosity process. Um, Mm -hmm. it just like Yes, that's fulfills true. my inner child, just like let's go. searching and exploring and see what we find Yeah, and absolutely. then or like it also reminds me of like when you go trick-or-treating <laughs> and then you come back and look at like all what the did stuff I get? that you <laughs> got yeah. yes like that it's really fun That's cool. I guess that's another awesome question that's been kind of like floating around in my head while we've been talking, and I know this wasn't one of the ways that you listed using the asteroids, but I've just kind of been thinking like the asteroids that are in the 12th house, would that kind of give some credence to like your mental state and like what goes on in the deep seated recesses of the mind, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100% um yeah any anything 12th house of course is going to be speaking to like 
what's going on like maybe just about here like mm-hmm. and and very much drive driving the ship like to speak to the unconscious again where we find all these archetypes they say that the unconscious makes up over 80 percent of our decision making wow. and so the anything in the 12th house is so major in your chart it's so so worth paying attention to because it's it's like pulling the strings back here mm-hmm. you know and and when you like take a look at what's going on but it's like opening up the bonnet of a car and like mm. looking what's going on if you if you don't do that process then you don't know about the health of the car and it's going to break down etc cetera, etc cetera. so absolutely asteroids in the 12th house super super important and are going to tell you a lot about what's going on back here yeah Interesting. in general I I noticed that like I really liked seeing where I had either a lot of asteroids or like asteroids and um very specific conversations throughout the houses um mm-hmm. because that's such a cool way of um just diving deeper into those areas of your life like what archetypes are you I think we mentioned this before but like what kind of archetypes are you playing out or experiencing in different um areas of your life like yeah mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to think if I have any specific examples. I don't think I do off the top of my head. But um, playing these out over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess I do have an example. Like I have like Vesta and Palace in the fourth house, and all of the asteroids going on in the fourth are very strategic. They are very like devotion, um, bringing together. Whereas in my third house, it's a lot more like I have Apollo and uh, Shariklo conjunct my son, and I have Freya in there. So it's a lot more like creative energies. Mm -hmm. Um, which very much translates into my life. Like I am a very creative songwriting, writing kind of person. I'm the oldest of five kids. So like the, the third house influence and we were all, we all sing together. We all make music together. So like, that's very literal. And then in the fourth house, it's like, but in the family and in my home itself, like I am the strategizer, I am the glue. Mm-hmm. So it's cool seeing the different, like the dichotomy between the different archetypes that you are, I guess, bringing to life in mm-hmm. the different areas of your chart like that. Yeah. 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 That's a really cool way of looking at it. Like I have palace in my sixth house in Capricorn. So it like, that is just perfectly encapsulating palaces energy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I really like that. And then I have like Lilith in my third house with my Mars. And so like, again, this is just like remirroring this like difficult story that comes through when you're looking at Lilith like having her co-present with the my greater malefic is um yeah definitely like if if I could put her anywhere in the chart that she belongs it would be there yeah yeah me thinking about I have uh the muse of tragedy conjunct my Saturn my malefic out of sect in my 11th house do you write sad songs? Hello. That's what I write songs for. I only write yeah. songs when I'm sad. Yeah, and July, July playing through my head. Oh yeah, I Me do have music on microphone. You were July. Oh yeah, it's uh yeah, yeah. That's exactly, and that's God. I really loved the muses going through and seeing the muse asteroids in my chart. Mm, yeah, they're really really cool. Those yeah. are really neat. But um, yeah, and what you said too about looking in for the malefic out of sect and seeing what's going on with asteroids in there, like that can, asteroids feels like such a, like a doorway to healing. I mean, that's kind of how I look at astrology in general, but it's like finding this is, it just opens so many more 
windows and doors and little cracks and the winds blowing in and I love it was yeah, Chiron 100%. the first asteroid that we kind of nope nope it was Ceres wasn't it it was Ceres yeah I want to say Chiron was in like 1850 or like 1870s maybe okay. I can't remember what his number is but I'm pretty sure they are so like Ceres was the first she's one that's her mm-hmm. asteroid number I'm pretty sure they are assigned numbers in order of discovery I think, I think so. so um yeah I think they still stick to that because obviously we're in the like tens of thousands of named asteroids yes um yeah I think they will stick to that yeah and okay. that with that being said um where we kind of touched on this earlier with like Sarah and Vest Ceres and Vesta are a good place to start. Where would you recommend people start if they do want to uh, dive into asteroids and use them as mythologies for like methodologies for learning more about themselves? So is this like you're asking what resources are worth checking out or, or like I, what asteroids are good to check out? First? Either or, either or. Okay. So I recommend to just like starting into the asteroids. I think a really good place to start is AstroSeq. Um, As we mentioned earlier, it just pulls up 14 asteroids for you. You don't have to choose anything. Um, So it's really easy to find that. You can just search asteroid calculator, AstroSeq, and it will be the first thing that comes up. So have a look there, see if you've got any prominent ones. um, And then when you've like had a little look at some of the meanings of those figures, then I recommend going to astro.com. This is, you really want to get familiar with astro.com because that's the, the like the hub for yeah. the asteroids. Um, so with that, there's, it's all alphabetical, alphabetically listed. Mm-hmm. So if you know like, oh, I'm really interested in Aphrodite, just click A and then scroll down and you'll find Aphrodite. Um, so yeah, that's why I recommend like the websites that you start with. And then it depends on like how you like to learn. If you're someone mm. that really, really enjoys looking up asteroids and being given information, like this is what Ceres means in this sign. If you like learning like that, then I'd say stick to the like the big four, Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta. And then like you've got Kyra and there's a lot of information about him. Mm-hmm. Stick to the really popular ones because there'll be just hundreds and hundreds of pages to, to read through. If you're not as interested in that and you'd rather learn just sort of and use your intuition, like the the core way that I learn about an asteroid's meaning is just through their mythology. Yeah. Then you're kind of, you're not constrained by anything because um, you're just using the mythology. And so like from there just like look up your favorite mythological figures um you can wikipedia has like this really cool way where it's um sort of sectioned off like these are asteroids named after greek um, mythological figures these are named after slavic mythological figures um japanese mythology etc so you can find that on wikipedia and it will list all of them and their numbers so you can just plug those into your chart um yeah I really really encourage people to do it intuitively I sometimes just scroll through the list and just be like that weird name is really jumping out at me so I'm going to click that and and I might not know anything about this mythological figure it might just be like a a person it's named after a random person that I don't know but yeah just 
the asteroids it is an opportunity more than most things in astrology to be very very explorative and very very intuitive in your approach so just let yourself feel into it there's no right or wrong way to do it and let yourself have fun yeah, I love like, that it's, it's a really, really beautiful fun fun process it so is don't, yeah don't get in your head like I'm not doing it the right way <laughs> like just don't it's not what they're there yeah. for just explore yeah. And I definitely, I will say again, like I definitely recommend to any of our listeners who want to get into this. Um, Elle's guidebook does come with a super helpful spreadsheet and it, the guidebook is great at um, walking you through delineation and walking you through like this intuitive approach that they're talking about. Um, and I, it genuinely is so valuable. And I really do appreciate you like contributing that to the astrology space because it has I been- just- I'm glad you brought it up I probably should have said my ebook is also a good place that you can learn (laughs) but yeah no my no it is (laughs) I wrote it for I my main thing with writing it was just like saying to you like holding you and just being like you can do this like it is not this scary like yes it's vast and it can be overwhelming and that's why I was like just do this and then you can just go have fun with it like yes. it is yeah just take cut out all the crap and the overwhelming stuff figure out why you like the asteroids is it because you like mythology great then just deal with the mythic asteroids yeah and and go from there so yeah there's my ebook and my podcast is also great if you don't have any money to spare like you can look through yes. the episodes on my podcast I've also got masterclasses um, that dig into specific asteroids um, and I do asteroid readings and my readings are very like when I read for you I explain to you why that is that thing like I fucking hate in astrology where someone like tells you something and you're like but why like, but why yeah why should I believe you like what are you drawing from so mm-hmm. yeah my my readings are like they're part reading and part like mythology asteroid lesson like I'm teaching Love you the, the whys of everything so get reading with me and then other people I really recommend checking out are Empress Atlantis um they have an incredible asteroid directory on their website which is empressatlantis.com um David Leskowitz is an incredible astrologer who focuses on the centaurs which are like specific division of asteroids that includes Chiron, Chiriclo, Follis, Nessus and and others so David's website is centaurs.space and then another incredible resource is Michael J. Morris's um, Norwalk 2022 talk on the yes. minor asteroids. Yeah. Absolutely incredible lecture that's available on their website for purchase. I think it's like $20. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. I really, really recommend that. Um, so yeah, free resources and very, very affordable resources. Yeah. Um, there's we'll there's put- loads to explore. Yeah, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes as well. So yep. um, yeah, any last reflections on asteroids or anything that you want to like give as a parting, like a parting, <laughs> a parting something? <laughs> um, I think I just really want to reiterate, like just allow yourself to like do it in a way that feels good to you and don't... Um, I think I say this so much because I know for myself, if I get in my head too much about like having to do it perfectly, then it takes away all the fun. And I just 
shame myself and then I like avoid the thing and and I know that the asteroids can feel like this kind of big scary unknown thing because there's so many tens of thousands of them to choose from Mm. and so I think like just letting yourself be really free with it there's not there's not going to be any like traditional people like leaning over you like that's not how you do it you're doing it wrong you're being stupid etc there's none of that so don't do that to yourself Mm -hmm. and just go play that's my parting I love that words of wisdom (laughs) I like that too yeah that definitely ties in with what we always say about sinistry you know check your bias at the door get open get curious and have fun with it 100% that's all all right. Well, thank you so much for being here today, L. This has been such a fun exploratory conversation that I'm so glad we got mm-hmm. to have. Um, where can people find you at? Um, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Stella.Sanctum. On Twitter, I'm Stella Sanctum. Same on TikTok. Um, and then, yeah, you can all my links will be on the bios there. Yep. And then you can see all my all my stuff that I mentioned. But yeah, those are the places that you can find me. Awesome. awesome. And then you can find us at Sappy Saturnian, at Alun Astrology, also yes. at Primordial Threads with no E or A because whatever. Twitter hates us. <laughs> Twitter hates us. We chose a name that was too long. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but once again, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so excited for our listeners to dive into asteroids and enrich in their astrology practice. thank you so much for having me Uh, this is I just want to say as well like this has been so fun as I mentioned earlier I don't typically spend a lot of time looking into sinistry and it's just been really really fun to like hang out with two fellow astro nerds and just like (laughs) look at some charts and get excited over it so yeah thank you it's been really enjoyable we do this is what we do so if you ever you ever (laughs) want to just nerd out let us know (laughs) and we will host that space (laughs) all right um Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.